previously, previously on the Game On Podcast. Just yep. talk about some of your coaches. Well, we had the, my first coach, Norm, was Ian Stafford. He was uh, he he came from Port Adelaide, um, and he was a, he was a tremendous coach. And he, he was ex school teacher, uh, probably be retired now. Um, he put all the disciplines in place where he focused very heavily on the skill level, on 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 working with our hands and our feet. We were we we touched the ball hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times during our training sessions at uh, under 17s and I think that was a, a key to um, the development of some of the players that came through the system with you know that that skill level I think you know that 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 form of training um, helped us immensely with our skill level and I think that was one advantage for me anyway because you know um, I've, I've was okay with the skills and you know, I was good with my hands. I was good with my kick. Um, and that all came from the tutelage that I got in under 17s. So I think it was just embedded in me from a, from a young age. Winnie helped and, in that uh, regard as well, didn't he? Oh, Winnie was great. Winnie, yeah. Winnie, Winnie was more there as a leveler. He was, because yeah. I, you know, I, I was a bit of a rat bag and, you know, uh, I think most kids are when they're 16, 17. And I think he was just a bit of a leveler. He was just laying down the law, saying these yeah. are the things you want you to do and da da da. Coming from big number two eight, you didn't want to argue with him too yeah. much. You took his advice. And you did it, you know. You got the old walk around the oval every now and again. Yes. Yep. You didn't. You didn't look forward to those too much. But he wasn't. <laughs> he wasn't too harsh about it. He he just make sure you explain where you went wrong, what you need to do, you know, where you need to focus. And I think that sort of individual tutelage was was uh, was very helpful from the two eight for sure. Sportscast SA presents Game On. Game On. South Australia's destination for everything sports. Local, national, and international sports. AFL football, soccer, basketball, golf, baseball, tennis, cricket, and any other sports played in this wide world. And we're going to have a blast doing it. So sit back, relax, and let's do this thing. Welcome to Game On. Welcome to Game On. My name's Pete. Once again, joined by Malcolm and uh, David Payne, just recalling his opportunities with Johnny Wynn, who we've spoken uh, about with a few different players over the the course of our podcast uh, journey, um, in that. He was a great uh, mentor, not only to Pony, but a lot of other players as well. And it's just amazing how one player or a couple of players can really steer the uh, or drive the ship uh, in the right direction. Uh, Winnie influenced a lot of people. Um, unusual character, character very much so. Cutting sense of humour. Ironically, a fellow non-drinker. And Winnie never did drink. People actually used to think he was he was drunk, but it was just Winnie. Just acting Winnie, up, yep. Being Winnie. Um but he was also the oldest person at Carmel Court, so he was he was the head prefect for one of a better term. Yep. And so now John Wynn has influenced a lot of people, and it's you know you also get from the state guys who played. You know, Barry Robin speaks in great respect of John and mm-hmm. things like that as well. Absolutely, and we thank uh, David Payne for his time yes. and 
fantastic interview that can uh, you can go back I, and listen to it yes. over the over the journey for sure. No, I will chase him up over that. I I have messaged him once, but it wasn't about that. So I will chase him up for that. I did ask KG on Saturday morning. Yep. Uh, KG said he can remember it. Yep. Um, but yeah, I haven't spoke chased it up off Painter yet. So. Absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Can't wait to listen to that one for sure. Around the grounds. And today on Around the Grounds, we're going to talk some golf with Craig Martin. We're going to talk some SNFL about North Adelaide, the Soccer Adelaide United, and are talking about this week's special guest, Jake Weatherald, in our Local Legends yes. segment. So looking forward to that. But first... Final ball. Four to tie. And that won't be it. Mishungwe clean-handed. And the Adelaide Strikers... Well, mate, all I can say is you little beauty, but uh, a few heart pulp, palpitations uh, going through some of the uh, the, the lineup and, and the innings. Um, it didn't look like 125 was going to be enough. I went in Saturday night, um, yeah, and we certainly fell away as soon as McGrath, Talia McGrath got out from the 10th over because it looked like we were going to get 140 to 150 at least. Mm-hmm. 125, you're thinking, right, that's not... Not likely enough. Their one chance is they've got to get Grace Harris out early. She got dropped at slip. Yep. Then gets caught. And probably it was a little bit bizarre. Brisbane always seemed to have the game in control, but I think they let it get away from them with too many dot balls. Yep. It was a hell of a lot of dot balls. I actually try and chase that up a little bit more, especially off Amanda Wellington. And all of a sudden... Um, guys, guys and ladies, I was sitting with. Um, Thought that you were half a chance. Yeah, we kept saying we're not out of this sort of totally. And then when Talia McGrath got those two wickets and bowled their other big hit in the middle order, mm-hmm. Thomas, I think. Um, I thought, geez, we are right in this. And then Katie Mack dropped the sitter on the boundary and it rolled over the line for four. Yep. You thought, oh my god, that's probably going to cost them. Well, I was going to mention that that. Both teams had yeah, some fielding some, errors that yeah. probably cost them in the end. I thought the fielding errors from the strikers might cost them in yes, the end. And, I did. And then what ended up happening was that the Heat made a couple of errors at some crucial times as well. Uh, unbelievable final, really, when you think about it. Oh, and then just, I think those their structure, they're very well planned. McGrath's a very good captain. She keeps her cool. Mm-hmm. A lot better than Meg Lamming in that way, ironically. Mm-hmm. Um, and kept clear thinking and kept, no, we're still right in this you know, sort of thing. Rah, rah. Yep. And um, interesting decision. Uh, ironically, as I just happily walked out, I puked by fluke. I ran into Dizzy. Dizzy went through, well, you, would you have bowled Amanda? And I said, yeah, personally, I would have. Well, I, hey, I thought this, uh, so we talked. So Sliding actually, doors yeah, moment. Yep, yep. Yeah, so that was actually interesting to get yes. the strikers coaches' yeah. thoughts on and that. So... Um, but she kept her cool. And the other thing was Brown's 
last over to only singles. And the run rate kept going up. You kept thinking, geez, they're right mm-hmm. here. And then it got to the stage where the start of the last over, I'm thinking, well, right, provided she doesn't bowl any wides, we should win this. Gets the wicket, gets hit for six the next ball. Yes. We thought, oh, geez. Yeah, that's what I was now, thinking what too. What odds yep. on someone hitting a six first ball? Yep. And then caught on the boundary next ball. Very you know, nearly a six. Three two. yards away yeah. from being the absolute hero, yes. doing a Carlos Braithwaite. Yes. Um, but, yeah, they kept their cool. Fantastic. Back-to-back champions. Yeah, well done. Absolutely. Yeah. As I said, we uh, we didn't get a chance to speak about the, the, the WBBL strikers a lot because of the World Cup. We were yeah. sort of focusing on that and snuck under the radar a little bit and, and just did what they did. And I think you mentioned before that they've got a champion team rather than a yeah. team of champions. Yeah. And, and it really showed that their bowling was far superior than any other team this yeah. year. And they did their, I think their depth of their bowling mm. was the crucial bit. They didn't have their fourth or fifth bowler fall away yep. like a couple of the other yep. the other sides did and in the end yeah the one and 120 odd and it was good you know, Adelaide Oval was alive 12 just over 12 I thought they might have got a few more I thought 15 might be but about I, right concert the food for probably can't you know, and out of that December yeah so but as another person involved said hey if you'd said so, uh, yeah, Ian Jaggard said, hey, imagine if uh, you know, five years ago you'd said you'd get 12,000 or women's cricket final. Yep. Yeah, you'd you be said, hey, laughed out on. of the room. Yeah, yeah. yeah fair so, call. Yeah. Certainly the uh, the emergence of women's sport, not only in the football but also in the uh, in the cricket, has been huge. And we'll talk a little bit more about the footy in a minute with the, uh, the women's final as well. It's not that we haven't managed. We have, there's been some attempts to get a person on with no luck. So yep. it, I won't give up, but... Yeah, it's been a bit frustrating in that regard. Absolutely. So anyway, shout out to anyone yes. that's out there that uh, wants to have a bit of a chat about the WBBL, but we'll we'll, yes. we'll move on. All Maybe right, we'll stick make. with cricket, mate. Cricket Australia is Bancroft or Renshaw's Warner's best replacement in the team. Not so much sure whether it's the best replacement. I think they're pretty keen to get Cam Green up to four. Um, that's the position he's batted and made all his runs in mm-hmm. Shield cricket. And that would mean Smith to three, which would mean Labuschagne to open. Right. So I, I think there's a few things to happen. I, I think Bancroft's game has improved. He, he is a lot straighter mm-hmm. than what he was years ago, um, and he, he looks when he's batting in Shield cricket to be the best player at Shield level. Yep. Um, and that. So he's, he's for me is the one. Probably the one. Yep. Yeah, but okay. I think. You know, Renshaw and Harris are still around the mark as well. Um, I would hope out of those three that if it is a line ball, Bancross Fielding should get him over the line, especially considered compared to Harris. Yep. Harris is easily the worst fielder okay. out of the three, which I think should be remembered. All right, bit of a watch and see on that one. Yeah. Uh, Australia's first squad picked for Pakistan. Scott Boland, Alex Kerry, Pat Cummins, Cameron Green, Hazelwood, Travis Head, Usman Khawaja, Marcus Labuschagne, Nathan Lyon, Mitch, Mitch Marsh, Lance Morris, Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark, and David Warner. Uh, any real surprises there for you? Not really. No, no. I... Is it is it interesting that there hasn't been a lot of Shield cricket played by some of these players before? Obviously, some of these tests. It's the it's the schedule. Yeah, you know? and I'm sorry, it's quite crazy that now we have all this time off. Well, there's another shield game played. Yep. And yeah. 
And, mate, we'll finish off with the Redbacks. South Australia, again, just failing to get the job done against Victoria, going down by 23 runs with a couple of sessions to spare. Frustrating lack of batting again. You know, the cru- crucial bit. And you can even say, in some ways, the final margin of 23. Flattered them flattered a little them bit. Flattered them a little bit because Agar had a slog and looked slog well, but got 50-odd. What was disappointing there on the last day was Alex Carey played a shocking shot. You know, he's a gun player and he looked fantastic. Gets to 81 and played a shocking shot to get out. Now, if he gets through to lunch, yep. so Menenti is still to bat after lunch. He got out playing a shocking shot and Menenti, so it was a double wicket effectively, was what really... Two for the price of one. And that's, you know, I love Alex. I'm very, very pro Carey. But my one thing against him is he's... Just got to finish games off and be the not out player is mm-hmm. what should have happened in that game. Okay, we'll keep a bit of an eye on that one, yeah. obviously throughout the summer. But the summer, the Shield season doesn't recommence until February now because of obviously the BBL and a bit of the one day stuff that's coming about. But um, we'll keep a bit of an eye on that as well, and hopefully the second half of the season is a little bit more kinder to yeah. the Redbacks than the first half. All right, mate. We'll move on to the AFLW first here, uh, Brisbane v North at Icon Park. Complete sellout for a grand final days before. Do you think they they should have moved it or were they hemmed in by where it is actually scheduled at this time of the year? Maybe. I'm a little bit bemused that Marvel wasn't, was available. Now, if they hadn't, if that's not available, yep, that's the stadium, no problem. Yep. But hang on, if Marvel's sitting there, but then are they thinking, hang on, if we get 12 to 15 in a forty odd thousand yep. stadium, it looks empty, and that and that's why Nor why the Crows prefer Nord Oval, and so I understand that. Yep, um, maybe supply and demand surprise them. You know, North Melbourne's not a club with a huge number no. of support. So and Brisbane, obviously, being travel. a, a travelling team. So yep. I think that probably surprised them. So yeah. Congratulations, obviously, goes to Brisbane. Brisbane were just too good in the end. Obviously, when it counted in the last quarter, they uh, they really put the foot down and took advantage of an inexperienced North Melbourne side. Yeah, seven points up at three quarter time. You know, they looked, they finished that third quarter well. Mm-hmm. Um, they probably got a lucky free kick for holding the ball, where the umpiring for about five minutes went um, just paying everything <laughs> holding the ball. Yes. It was like, geez, Barry Robert and Greg Williams wouldn't have got rid of that. So. Yep. I was disappointed with that, but then there was a North Melbourne player got hit high, and nothing and it was, should have been yep. a free kick. So that was pretty crucial there. Um, yeah, it was just more that ten minutes. I was frustrated. Going, come on, protect the player making the making the play. You Absolutely. Know? Now, does the AFL look at changing its season timing again to maybe become a little bit more user friendly, or are we now locked into a sort of? Towards the end of the men's AFL season, going into um, you know sort of November December for an AFLW, because it did get quite warm there at one stage. I know, you know, if you play it in February, you're sort of going to get the same result. But you would have thought that playing at the beginning of the year is probably a little bit more advantageous for the players than playing at the end of the year. Not so much in turn. Look, I get the bit on the weather, but I just think it was crazy that they threw away those weeks where they could get publicity where you weren't competing against the AFL. I'm sorry, you don't finish a main movie and then 
the trail has come on. Well, I thing, just think it's crazy. The thing about the men's game after the season is you generally then have trading period, draft periods, all that kind of stuff that really does take you through till mid-November, late November. So realistically, they're still going to be in the public eye. And like you said, when we're absolutely dying for some football in uh, in February, March, obviously with all the uh, cricket going on, um, it's it's an area that I think that we need to be looking at. But uh, anyway, we'll talk about that one a little bit later. All right, let's move on to the AFL men's. Uh, the Adelaide Crows, we finally find out why they reached, or the majority of the squad reached their personal bests on day one. Yeah, yeah. Darren Burgess comes yeah. out and says, yeah. you know, if you need to do, if you don't want to do these extra yeah. bits of training today, um, we're gonna we're gonna see if you can beat your personal best. So yeah, definitely Darren Burgess inspired there, but a little bit of a laugh and and good for the players too. I mean, they've generally looked after themselves during the off season. You know, a little bit of reward for effort as well, and it certainly doesn't go astray. And, and you know, being early in a long preseason. Uh, little wins like this can be very, very good to the squad. So, all right, we'll move on to Port Adelaide. Butters, Zach Butters signs on. Uh, does, richly deserves his contract. Yeah, it, look, he's a gun player. He he is probably with Rosie and Horn Francis, the three. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, look, you lock away your main assets. Absolutely. Um we might talk about this one now. I was going to leave it to the SNFL, but we will we'll mention it now. Port have put in an application to the VFL to join the VFL. How do you feel about that one, mate? Bemused a little bit. I, I don't understand what Port Adelaide are complaining about saying that they're restricted by the SNFL. I, I just don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think the SNFL actually bent over backwards for the AFL clubs Uh and things, so I just, I just don't really. Yeah, okay, you can get used to travelling, so a little bit get used to the AFL, what you do as an yep. AFL player. But I don't get it so much. For me, at the moment, it's a bit. I'm a bit conflicted a little bit, and and this is going to be my next question: was how do you feel about poor actually being removed from the SNFL, considering? The rivalries, obviously, being Norwood, but, you know, Norwood and Sturt, uh, Port and Sturt. Uh, being you know, honest, that rival it's not Port. It's, yep. That, that rivalry died a few years ago. Okay. It's, Port Power, it's Port Power Reserves. Right. And, you know, I get annoyed. I, I still think the established 1870 crap and all that. Yep. Um, you know, no, you started in 97. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't have it a history in a competition you weren't in. Yes, your club was, but that's SNFL. So I, th- I think it's ridiculous. That's yep. my own, yep. you know, pretty firm on that. Um, I just, yeah, as I said, I don't get it in terms of where they think the advantage is. Now, I've got no doubt the Crows will follow. Yep. Now, ironically, as an odd person, this is not something I've spoken about with James Fantadra. I've spoken about yep. it with three other club CEOs. Yes. Now, a couple, a couple of those don't think we can survive without the Crows financially. One does. So, again... I come back to this clandestine stuff that there should be far more openness exactly mm-hmm. what the money comes from from the Crows, yes. from Stadium Management Authority, everything which with the resulting, not this he say, she say and hidden which no one really knows. And let's just be honest it, about it. Look, I, I admit the AFL's lack of support for the SNFL and Waffle... Yep. A noise and it blows me away. Yep. 
that you're not going to get a Lee Spur, Nick Diagon, uh, Puopolo, uh, except uh, Barlow in the future yes. out of it. It's all 18s and all that. I can't see, and I've said this for a while, I can't see how SNFL eventually doesn't become Div 1 a community footy yep. unless the AFL doesn't want it to. And at the moment, it's shown no signs of that. Well, that was going to be my next question is where does it leave the SNFL? Yeah. You know, is it a case of that the AFL as the, I suppose, governing body to a certain degree uh, compensates or uh, provides funds to a, a, a state league like the SNFL or the VFL? Or, um, you know, is there some sort of arrangement there that can be entered into to obviously help the SNFL stay alive, really, at the end of the day? And um, I've got a topic that I might cover next week because it is a huge episode today. But um, we'll just finish off on the AFL. Brisbane looking to play home games in three different states as the Gabba's being redeveloped. Uh, That's pretty disruptive for a club, isn't it? Yeah, but there's probably no other solution. And then to finish us off, uh, we'll just... Take a little bit of a look at a couple of sides at the moment. Unfortunately, Collingwood's Premiership defence defence has been dealt a blow with the first week of pre-season training with Maynard and Elliott being injured. Yeah, it's uh, and losing McStay for the year. So, yeah, yeah it's interesting. Um, it's funny how the curse seems to hit the rainy Premier or whatever in that way the next year. It does, isn't it? Um, Absolutely crazy at the moment. And uh, because the players are starting so early and they're generally a bit fitter than normally. They've they've not taken uh, too much of a break. Uh, their body just doesn't get time to unwind, so to speak, and if it does, they tend to get injured. So uh, we'll keep a bit of an eye on that throughout the other clubs as well, but I thought I'd um, start off with Collingwood today. All right, let's uh, take a very, very quick break, mate, when we come back. Uh, golf with Craig Martin and Jake Weatherald as part of our Local Legends segment. You're listening to The Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Welcome back. Uh, We've got Craig Martin on the line today to talk all things golf. And um, we want to touch base on the Australian PGA Championship and the Australian Open. But before we do that, mate, just explain to the listeners how the two events differ from each other. How they differ from each other? Well, effectively, they're the two major tournaments on the Australian calendar every year. Um, the Australian PGA is effectively run by the PGA of Australia um, um, and has always been a representation of the PGA professionals of Australia. Um, so this year running was played up at Royal Queensland, obviously, yep. uh, a couple of weeks ago now, and um, Minwoo Lee put on a put on a clinic, basically. Um, I think I've, last time we spoke, I predicted he was Australia's next superstar and he's yeah, he's yeah, living start, up to it. He's starting to bear fruit, and uh, also on the world stage as well. But um, yeah, he put on a put on a real clinic, and then of course, so that was that was purely for the men at the Australian PGA. And then last weekend we had the Australian Open, which was a uh, men's and women's, as well as the All Abilities Championships, three events effectively running across two courses at mm-hmm. the Lakes and the Australian. Um, and yeah, what looked after two rounds of being a foregone conclusion that Mim was going to run away with it. It uh, golf is a funny sport. Just when you think you're on top of things, it come back to bite you, and that's exactly what happened to him. So absolutely, on the Sunday afternoon, it could have been one of ten guys that effectively could have won it. Um, whereas in the women's, um, Ashley Buhai looked like she had it in the bag, but Minji Lee put her in pressure, and in the end. Uh, 
she had the whole four foot putt in the last hole to win. But um, whereas obviously with the men's went to a playoff and Joaquin Neiman eagled second playoff hole to win, which was a fantastic performance. Um, it's great, great actually as well for Australian golf. Get international winners coming down and. Uh, he beat a Japanese player, Hoshino, I think his name off the top of my head, yep. uh, who've ironically finished runner-up in both events, PGA and then Australian Open. So, yeah, they're our, they're our two major events on the Australian tour, uh, which attract the international players. And then, uh, ironically, they're playing the second day of Cathedral event today, um, which I've noticed Adam Scott had a three-shot lead with about six holes to play. So wait, by the time this goes to air, obviously that would have been done and dusted, and then they go into a Christmas break before coming back January next year. Obviously, uh, great to see some international players come down for the for the Australian events. Was there any real surprises that jumped out at you that either didn't make the cut or did make the cut and didn't go on with it? Well, obviously the big biggest news was the PGA with Cam Smith yeah. missing missing the cut when he was the defending champion. Uh, full credit to himself, though, and just shows the type of guy that Cam Smith is. He could have quite easily just spat the dummy and flew, flown down to Sydney or gone surfing or whatever, but yeah, he was there on the Saturday signing autographs for the kids and putting on uh, junior clinics and things like that. So, I mean, that just shows you the calibre of the guy. Um, it's a surprise, as always. I mean, the beauty of the Australian tour is as always shows young talent that is coming to the fore. I mean... You look at the women's side of things. I think after two rounds, there were four amateurs in the top ten players. Um, obviously, pressure got to them on the weekend. But young South Australian girl Caitlin Pierce finished equal fifth, which uh, sorry equal seventh, I think it was in the end. But you know, a top ten finish in the Australian Open as an amateur—that's that's a fair performance. So one to keep brilliant. an eye on for the future. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I've I've catted a couple of times uh, in amateur events, and she's been in our group. And, um, yeah, she's certainly a very good ball striker. And uh, I think we played with her at Royal Adelaide, actually, on her home course and obviously knew that course well. But, um, yeah, she she's certainly got a bright future. And uh, Minwoo Lee and uh, sister, um, what do we say about them? Obviously, you know, sporting siblings, um, are they going to be up there with some of the best? I reckon they'll be able to fool to buy us a drink, put it that way. Oh, yeah. hopefully. <laughs> you think so, yes. Yeah. I mean, Min, Min G's obviously, she's got the runs on the board and, you know, her performance has picked up another major during the year and, um, you know, she's, she's well established as a world superstar, but Min Wu is actually, you know, he's on the rise. He's only 23 and um, I think 2024 will be a massive year. I mean, it's a massive year for golf just with all the politics still going on. But uh, with Min, particularly in the majors for next year, I'd be really interested um, pretty sure he's got a start at the Masters. That golf course certainly will suit his play. I mean, he's he's high risk the way he plays. Mm-hmm. Higher risk, high reward. But also, obviously, as you saw on the weekend, that can come unstuck. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's he's got a magnificent future ahead of him. Um, but, I mean, Australian golf is just on the up. There's so much talent coming through, the young fellas and, and young girls for that matter. So you talked about the uh, politics of golf. Uh, just give us a little bit of a rundown of what still needs to be ticked off for things to become a little bit smoother in the uh, the world of golf at the moment. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's just come out now with the schedule scheduling for Live Golf for next year. Um, I think the last time I mentioned might have been the second event coming to Australia. That yep. hasn't doesn't look like it's going to happen. 
Although, having said that, there's a couple of events at the end of next year which are still TBC, so uh, most likely they'll end up uh, in, in the US. But, um, yeah, Live Golf, obviously there's a fair bit going on around that. This weekend they've got their... Um, they, uh, I suppose they had their... Uh, um, they culled some players, and now they've got the, the qualif- qualif- qualifying event in Abu Dhabi this weekend where three players can win onto the, onto the main tour um, noting that Wade Ormsby, South Australian, is playing in that amongst qu- quite a few others. Uh, he's he's won because of his standing in the Asian Tour. He's won through to the day two, but it's a three-day event uh, where effectively three players will win on onto the uh, the Live Tour. Um, yeah, politics-wise, I think the biggest thing is that the world golf ranking still is totally screwed up. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got all these guys who are playing in live, and effectively, because their ranking keeps dropping, won't be able to play in some of the majors next year, which is just crazy. I mean, and the the biggest rumor floating around at the moment is obviously John Rahm potentially joining the live tour. I was just reading prior to coming on on air with you guys. You know, they're talking about six hundred million US dollars will be his carrot to go over. Um, including a 25% equity in, in a team. So they're obviously looking at expanding from the 12 teams they've currently got to, I mean, probably maybe to 15 max, but that would be a ma- massive one because, I mean, any major that doesn't have John Rahm in it, I mean, effectively the majors sh- should be the best golfers in the world playing, irrespective of what tour they're playing on. Um, but the uh, PJ Tour and the R&A and... Um, the powers to be really have got to get it all sorted, but as it stands, they still haven't, and very much um, being driven by the PGA Tour, trying to trying to uh, discredit the Live Tour. So interesting days still. Well, Malcolm, you you mentioned about uh, offering a drink. I reckon he might be able to buy us a couple couple of drinks there. There's yeah. there's certainly a lot of money being thrown around. That's for sure. Oh, and- I'm bogging and mate, just to get you out of here on this one, obviously uh, Live Golf coming back to to Grange, fantastic yeah. event last year, and a lot of people are excited for it. Yeah, there was talk that it might have been earlier in the schedule, but it's been placed at the end of April. So um, tickets, uh, I was just reading earlier that tickets have already been like the, the corporate hospitality tickets have already been released, but also three day tickets. And um, just saw that Grange put out something earlier that tickets have already. Um, sold out in some some instances, like three day passes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, there'll probably be more tickets released. Um, I'm no doubt um, there'll be some changes happening for next year. I think there'll be some changes to the course. There were some issues around um, congestion in certain areas of the course, which, being such a big property, they've got plenty of options to change holes. Um, I do believe also the uh, the watering hole may be moving, but um, that's all subject to. Uh, rumour and innuendo until it all comes out but yeah certainly another another fantastic event and probably the fact that it's going to be away from the gather round as well is probably a good thing um last year on back to back probably limited live a little bit but i mean <laughs> the popularity from interstate was amazing but you know gives people interstate now an excuse to come here twice so it's always a good thing and oh it's great for tourism and it's it's incredible really that you know that's yeah. probably the the area which we don't really even understand enough of how, well, how the, the numbers, it is. Yeah. yeah. Well, you think you know, especially for an event like that, it's a three-day event, but you you've got access to the um, to the players 
on the pro-am day as well. So, you know, effectively, if you're flying in from Sydney or Melbourne or wherever, um, you know, you're coming out to Adelaide five, six days, you probably want to throw in some rounds of golf yourself. So there's the benefit for the other clubs getting green fees, obviously the accommodation and hospitality for the state. So, I mean, you just saw, obviously, last weekend or the weekend before with the... Um, with the Velo 500, you know, how much, how many people come over for that as well. I mean, the, the city's a buzz and to spread it out rather than, you know, have their mad, mad march with fringe, et cetera. Um, yeah, it's good. So April next year and weather-wise, it's similar to last year. So weather-wise, you know, you're looking early 20s and good weather. And I noticed they've announced Fisher will be back as well. So that that attracts a younger group with, mm-hmm. them, with the with the doof doof music. So um, <laughs> although having said that, I did enjoy it last year. It was quite good. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it's just a totally di- different demographic that they're attracting. Well, it was the first time that they had run the event. So uh, there were going to be some teething problems. And it sounds like they're um, well and truly in hand to uh, make slight adjustments to make the event bigger and better for next year. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's like anything, you know, you've got a few teething issues and whatnot, but um, overall, I mean, the event surpassed everything they could have hoped for. So um, this year, bigger and better. So wait and see. Absolutely. All right, mate. Thank you very much for your time and um, letting us know about everything golf um, and filling us in on a couple of little politics issues there with Live and PGA and everything else. But uh, I reckon we'll touch base with you again uh, right around the uh, Live uh, yeah. tournament time. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I mean, February next year, February, March comes into the the main main season and obviously you've got first majors of the year, Masters, first week of April. So sometime around there, it'd be great to talk to you guys again. Thanks, mate. Appreciate right. it. Cheers, guys. We thank Craig once again for his time there. All right, we move on to SNFL North Adelaide this week. Uh, coming players, Tariq Newchurch returning from Adelaide, Cody Ruck from the Western Bulldogs, Sam Ramsey from South Adelaide. Is it Blaine O'Loughlin returned yes. from Adelaide yep. and Austin Harris from the Essendon VFL? Yeah, I rate Blaine O'Loughlin. I uh, was really impressed with him a couple of games as, uh, watching him with the Crows in the finals. I admit I would have loved him at Nord. I, I think he's a very good player. We uh, we need to get Nord to give you a blank check, <laughs> blank yeah. check, and see if we can get some of these players over the line. Uh, of the going, we've got uh, Aaron Young, Cameron Craig, Andrew Moore, Jesse White, and Kane McAuliffe. Yeah, McAuliffe's been picked up by Richmond. Yep. Um, Promising out of the 18s. Uh, He's related to um, McAuliffe, the racing Mm -hmm. commentator. Terry. Terry, that's it, to Terry McAuliffe. Apologies. That's right. I look, I think Cameron Craig's one where, again, plenty of SNF full footy left in him. Same with Joseph Haynes. Same with Cam Ball. The demands re time mm-hmm. versus financial yes. reward and that isn't and that's where I think yes NFL clubs training now three times a week, four times a week. I'm not convinced and I get it, they've got to almost with Port and Adelaide in the competition, <laughs> yes. they've almost got to do it. So it's, it's a, a catch twenty two. Byproduct, yep. You know, so they think, well if we do that if we don't do that, we're a mile behind them. But I reckon they're actually losing players because of doing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that is one That's thing when they 22. do go that hopefully there might be a bit more common sense. Bit of readjustment going yeah. on there, yeah, fickle. And uh, we did talk about North Adelaide's surprise with getting Jesse White back through the door, um, and then a year later he's back to to local club again. Yeah, I think it's just your body again. With that, you know, probably a little bit more 
it's just because there's more contest, yep. that side of things. And, and I dare say his body would have struggled with the training. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right. We're, like we have said before, there are some comings and goings still going with some of these clubs, and we'll touch base with that a little bit later on. But we'll go with the information we've got at the moment. And we do want to sort of keep the topics going as far as the SNFL goes. All right. We move on to soccer. Adelaide United uh, going down 4 3 to MacArthur FC in a pretty entertaining game, actually. Yeah. Disappointing to be mm. up, though, by a goal with about eight to 10 minutes to go. Yep. So, yeah, that was dis- disappointing to lose from there, not yes. to get the draw. Um, yeah, so a costly result. And, but scoring goals, probably it's bemusing where their two defeats has had so many goals scored against them. Yes. Uh, ten goals scored in Yeah, they're either giving games. up nothing and scoring yeah. themselves or giving up plenty yeah. and scoring a little bit. So, yeah, one to keep a bit of an eye on there yeah. for sure. Uh, next up, Brisbane Raw, Sunday the 10th of December. Fourth v. Fifth, a must win for United with some tough games to come. Yeah, important game. No doubt about that. And just sticking with the soccer, we've got the A-League. Women's soccer star puts football career on hold due to financial obligations. Chloe Knott. You'd like to hear more about the whole story. It's, it's It'd be interesting to know everything. Absolutely. A bit hard to comment on that one without knowing enough, yeah, but I think. I thought I'd throw that one in there on the basis, and you mentioned it a little bit with the SNFL players and yeah. the training and you know f- giving up time and, and trying to fit it all in with work and all the other commitments that they've got. So I just thought I'd put that one in there just to touch the water a little bit on that one. Oh, I think it's a relevant point, but, yeah, I just it'd be interesting to know more. Absolutely. All right, let's take a very, very quick break. When we come back, uh, Jake Weatherall. You're listening to the Game On Podcast. We'll be right back after this short break. Local legends. We're pleased today to have the, a nephew of a former guest in Tim Weatherald, uh, in Jake Weatherald, uh, South Australian, former South Australian opening batsman, now playing his trade with Tasmania. 3,178 first-class runs, an average of 34. Of course, 100 for the strikers in the grand final. We'll certainly get to that. We welcome aboard, Jake. And first off, I'm going to bag myself first, and then you, because we both, just uh, doing a bit of research, got unusual middle names. Now, my middle name is Somerset, named after my grandfather, who was born in Somerset. Now, your middle name, go for it, Weathers. My middle name is Beef. Um, yeah, so my name's middle name is Beef. It's just after my uh, uh, grandfather. So nothing much to, nothing much there from me, but yeah, Beef is just Oh, well, we're both, so both middle names named after our grandfathers, Weathers. So there you are. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah. Mate, thanks for joining us today. Uh, obviously, we, we like to research our guests and... We came up with uh, that you started your juniors back in the Northern Territory. Would you like to talk about that? Yeah, yeah. so I was from Darwin, which is obviously a, a fair way away from the rest of the world in Australia. So, um, yeah, so I just started there. It's obviously a footy-based state, or territory, sorry. Um, very dominant with their footy. But um, I was lucky enough that uh, my best mate at the time, who also played for South Australia, Tommy Andrews, his old man loved yep. his cricket, so... He sort of dragged me along and sort of said, oh, mate, you should play some cricket. You can play for your country and that. So better than playing footy. So I sort of just jumped on board and, yeah, my boat, all my best mates were playing in that. So I sort of just kept doing that, really. Um, it- and, yeah, so it was great. 
Was there a local club that you played for? I did. I played for Darwin Cricket Club, um, which is in uh, Carl and Oval, which is in the city there. Um, but yeah, I also played for Tracy Village as well when I went back um, a, few, like, a few years later when I was a bit older too. So I played for a couple of clubs, but Darwin was a club that I sort of, um, yeah, applied my trade when I was a young guy and sort of learned everything, so which was good. And of course, your dad in Rob Weatherall, who played for Sturt footy, um, did he try and push you footy-wise or just whatever went was fine with us? Uh, yeah, my dad's not very uh, aggressive when it comes to what sport I play. He just wanted yep. me to play as much sport as possible. He didn't really care what I did. Yep. Um, he coached me in everything, so he sort of just did whatever, whatever I was doing. He sort of tried to get involved and help me out with that. My mum was really big on that as well. She sort of, yeah, she's the one that took me to tennis lessons, cricket, yep. um, footy and all that stuff. But yeah, cricket was sort of the, once I didn't get much taller than five or ten, I sort of just, <laughs> cricket sort of became the, the natural regression after that. I was going to ask, uh, when did you sort of realise that uh, that cricket was going to be the, the main sport that you were going to play? It sounds like the height was probably the deciding factor. Yeah, it probably was. I wasn't that good at footy either, so um, I wasn't that good at tennis. So I was sort of just a decent in all of them. And then, yeah, cricket was sort of the one that I sort of excelled at a bit, at a bit of a younger age. So um, I was just happy to go through that, um, that path. And I sort of loved it. I sort of fell in love with the game after the 2005 Ashes. I sort of fell in love with cricket after watching that, staying up every night yep. watching that. I just yep. feel that's what I want to do. Um, yeah, that's, you know, to be able to represent your country would be a pretty amazing thing. So um, I was just, yeah, sort of got hooked on, hooked on cricket from there on. And yeah, everything else sort of just sort of took a back step after that. And where there's when, uh, so when did you move down to South Australia? Um, I was 15 when I moved down. I went to Prince Alfred College. Yes, so I was going to bring um, that up. Uh, on the back of, um, yeah, probably just more opportunities for education, um, education system. Um, while it can be good, it probably I probably needed to, um, you know, probably needed to sort myself out. It wasn't the best when it came to academics, so my parents sort of sent me down south, thankfully. My mum was a pretty big driver for that. She sort of said, oh, well, um, you need to go sort yourself out. So um, I moved down when I was 15 to boarding school, and then, um, yeah, then sort of it sort of helped me probably pursue other avenues of um, obviously sport, academics and all that sort of stuff. So it was a great move, really. And did you just play for the school at that stage or were you involved with the club? Um, I was involved um, loosely with Sturt through my uncle, um, Nick, um, and Tim obviously playing at Sturt. So I sort of just, um, I sort of, I was associated by name, really. Um, and then once I'd finished private school, because uh, you had to play, obviously play for your school until you were 16, 17. So once I was done there, I'd go and play um, great cricket for Sturt, so that was sort of um, sort of quite nice to go and have a bit of both play of men's and um, men's and um, kids cricket. So it was good. And of course, you opened at Prince's with Kelvin Smith, generally, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so we had a pretty good, um, pretty strong side. It's actually we didn't lose many games. Um, yeah, was Ope's so was playing good, uh, then? I'm trying to think. Was Elliot was, that, pl- was Elliot Opie playing then, or is he a bit after that? Trying to remember. He was a bit after me. Yeah. He was a bit before me, sorry. Right. I was just trying to get my years yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. And Tommy Andrews as well in our team. Yeah. Um, so we had yeah, we had quite a strong side, right. so um, we're quite lucky. And then at, at Sturt, uh, Sturt, and then you decided to go to uni, which Mick took brilliantly, didn't he? He he, he didn't mind that yeah. at all. Like he, uh, he, how long was it before he spoke to you again, again with us? Uh, uh, no, it was a couple of days, but he was all right. He was fine. Um, yeah, he was really good with it all, really. I just stir him up. 
a probably hit on a probably hit of hit on his own um, himself, but it was obviously nothing personal against him. Yeah. So I just sort of, yeah. uh, but he took it really well. He didn't take it well at the start, but he, yes. no, he was awesome. He was very accepting yeah. of the fact that it was my own journey. So he was great with that, and he was ever since then he'd been super supportive, and he's always just been in my corner ever since. So yeah. I'm like very grateful for him. Um, he's probably been. He's probably out of all my um, family members. He was probably the one person that probably actually spent a lot of time actually training with me. Like my dad, while he didn't, while he liked cricket, never really, you know, wasn't going to spend hours throwing balls to me. Where Mick was always keen to do that stuff. So um, I owe him a lot for that. Oh, and Mick's let's too. Mick's very respected, coaching wise in South Australia in both footy and cricket. Um, he yep. coached. That's where I know him originally from. Where Mick played cricket at Paynham, and then he got himself yep. and Jeff Wilson out to uni, and. Mick was incredible in that regard. You three hundred odd people who played footy for uni, and you, you remembered every single person's name and all that. He was he, yeah, no, he's incredible, incredible yeah. like that. Yeah, of course, he's amazing. Yeah, so playing at yeah, then playing at uni, you sort of arrived then at uni, didn't you? In terms of some runs and, yeah, and push yeah, your name from there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I definitely got a lot better. Um, it wasn't to do the fact that it was I wasn't getting good at good at Sturt stuff like that. They probably gave me the the ability to learn myself about myself and um, how to play men's cricket and also how to push myself further. But um, the opportunity to train with Cammy Borges, um, who played first class cricket, um, I wasn't in the system at the time, so I was a bit. Um, so I just needed someone to give me a bit of um, kick up the backside in terms of what the right things to do were. Um, so that was probably the way I, I could do that. Um, yeah, so he was he was awesome, and yeah, uni was sort of the place to do it. I felt as though they had the facilities and the opportunity for me to do that. So now, were you just uh, uh, whoop, ambulance or a coffer going past? Um, yep. Um, did you bat and or just bowl or, or, or keeper, bit, keeper keeper a bit back then? Right, too, back in the junior yeah, days. Yeah, so I kept that as well. So yeah, I sort of sort of sort of have an opportunity to potentially. Break into the first class setup as a bit of a keeper batter or a batter keeper. I wasn't that great with the gloves at all, to be fair. But I said, like, well, if I can, if I can have a second string to my bow, um, I'm happy to do that. So I sort of went across the opportunity to keep. Um, and I reckon you're a bit better keeper than what you're, you're putting yourself down a bit there, Weathers. Too. I reckon you, you were a fair <laughs> keeper. Yep. Go on, mate. Yeah, I wasn't too bad, but yeah, I was a lot better batting. So my batting was what got me there in the end. But I think it was like provided with me a bit of um, extra incentive to to try a bit harder in the different areas as well and develop my game. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a good learning curve no matter what, um, just to go and do something a little bit different than just batting. So, Now, did you did you score uh, any 50s or 100s at Sturt and then conversely, obviously, at uni? Yeah, so I made, I probably made like a few, I made a few scores over the batting. They were very good, very patient with me. Um, I was lucky to have the Borges brothers when I first rocked, when I was playing there. So I sort of had some of the open weird that was quite... Established in South Australian cricket, obviously yeah. played a few um, first-class games and stuff. And then, so when I made a few scores, it was good. But then when I went across to uni, it sort of like, sort of blossomed a bit more. I sort of started consistently making hundreds, and um, you know, I was, you know, sort of started to dominate great cricket, which was ultimately the way you need to be if you wanted to play first-class cricket. So, then debuted in for South Australia in 2016. I will be honest, Weathers. The, so go, go along to a Shield game. As you know, I'm a Shield moron. We tend to know each other in terms of that regard, the people who are. Um, and we're, you're fielding. You're fielding at Square Leg and Gully and that. And I was actually standing with James Pike. And I'm yep. pissing myself laughing. And he's going, what the hell's so funny? And I said, because watching 
Jake, is just like watching a junior Tim all over again. Your <laughs> mannerisms were just so ridiculously identical. It was funny. It's amazing, eh? Yeah, you never pick that up when you're playing yourself. But, yeah. yeah, it was awesome that you could something pick that up. Yeah, it's so cool, isn't it? Uh, it was, and it was obviously a link there with knowing, um, obviously knowing Tim well over the years and Mick and that. So obviously I was drawn to follow you immediately in that regard. And yeah, and of course the Shield final was frustrating weathers in terms of against Victoria at the Bay. We're still waiting. Yep. We're still waiting for Hanscom to be given out LBW off Chad Sayers, <laughs> yeah, or the plumbest LBW I've ever seen. Uh, yep. And you hit him really well to start with, and yeah. unfortunately got out. I reckon to Dan Christian just before lunch. I reckon on the first day on memory weathers where you, you, yep. you batted well in both innings, but unfortunately neither. We just needed someone to really go on and get a decent hundred in that game, and yeah, we sort of yeah, stuffed it up a little yeah. bit. So, but that LBW yeah, decision, that. it was again too, Pete. That was funny in terms of let's again shield games. Normally, no one there. Yes, and this yep. LB's been given not out, and because it was a shield final, they were playing it online, and we watched it straight away. And it is still to this day the plumbest LBW I've ever seen given not out. Yeah, I know. and I walked around to Chad. At fine leg, and it was unreal. And his reply was quite colourful. And I had to remind <laughs> Jack, uh, Chad, there's actually people here today. It's not like the normal Shield game. Like, <laughs> so, so true. Yes. What are, what are your what are your uh, what are your memories of your first game of, of Shield cricket? Um, you know, did you get presented with your cap, and who was it? If 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 it was to, to go that way, um, and just talk about yeah, that a little a, bit. It was a pretty. Um, it was a pretty strange debut, to be fair. We played in Coffs Harbour, which is um, which is a lovely spot. Um, but, yeah, we played New South Wales, which yeah. is, obviously they were quite strong at the time. Um, uh, Jamie Sins presented my cap. It wasn't, there wasn't um, the, the, it wasn't the most traditional way of getting presented your cap. I sort of just got given it. Um, <laughs> um, I think we were like, well, South Australia was in a pretty weird space in terms of um, sort of rotating through openness quite quickly at the time. So I don't think they were like, uh, you know, I don't know if it was the most, you know, a celebrated thing for me getting my debut. So it was sort of, it was for me, but yeah, it was sort of like a, there was a, quite a few openers that opened that year. We sort of hadn't got it right in terms of who was open the batting. So um, I guess they, it wasn't the most celebrated thing, but um, yeah, it was good. I got Jamie Sins presented my cap in terms of just, yeah, just gave me the cap and said, good luck. And um, and then we played New South Wales um, with a, quite a strong side, Doug Bollinger, uh, Trent Copeland's, uh, Sean Abbott, um, and we actually bossed the whole game, to be fair. We've had it really well. Lima made a really nice 100. Um, I made 50-odd in the first inning. I made 300-odd, and, and we ended up rolling them. And then, yeah, they, they chased out 300 in the last innings or something. And, um, yeah, they just... Betty Rora made his first 100 for, like, That's two years. That's right. I do remember that, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so we sort of got robbed of... I remember getting a message from Cam Borgas saying, mate, you're about to win your first shield game. It took me 30 games to do that. Australia, so yeah. um, and I was just like, uh, oh, so good, that's going to be great, and then we ended up losing it, which was, we lost the unlosable that game, and then, yeah, so that sort of, but then after that, we sort of went on this winning streak, so I won quite a few games after that next two years, and played two Shield finals, so I was pretty lucky, really. And uh, there is one amusing thing in one of those Shield finals, didn't take you long to get a wicket at least, Weathers? No, I didn't, no, I always said to Hedy, if you bowled me, mate, I'll go change the game for you, <laughs> didn't really change that game, to be fair, we 
stood it for two and a half days. Days, yeah. I was a bit, uh, I was a bit, uh, uh, but I was excited to bowl. I just was, I, don't know, I was ecstatic at that time just to have an opportunity to do something different. I'd been fielding for so long and, um, and I was just in, in Alice Springs. It was so hot. Um, and it was just, yeah, just needed some excitement out of that game. Once the, once the first two days were done and the game was pretty much in dead and buried, we sort of, there wasn't much to sort of celebrate after that. Yeah. So. Who, 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 did, who did you get? I got Aaron Finch, Finch which I was yep. pretty happy with. I, yep. I remind him constantly when I see him. So. <laughs> make sure you, if you any interview or you, he does with you, I want to make sure that's brought up every time with us, all right? Yeah, exactly right, 100%. And, of course, then you actually had a big game against Cricket Australia 11 weathers in the yep. Matador One Day Cup in 16-17. Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, we were lucky. We uh, we played them on a very small ground. and sort of just sort of kick-started my, my one-day career as well. So I sort of just walked out. I got dropped by Josh Inglis as well at point. Um, and then I went on May 140 or something, whatever it was. And then... Um, yeah, we sort of, yeah, it's just sort of one of those games where you just, you, you want to, you know, get the first 101 day cricket on the board and then sort of get to play against them was quite lucky, to be fair. Um, so, yeah, I was quite happy with that. And then it sort of just gave me confidence to go out and play a lot more one day cricket in terms of like how aggressive you want to be and stuff like that. So I was lucky that sort of got a nice stepping stone into domestic one day cricket. Back to that Shield final in Alice Springs, the one thing out of that game was Alex Carey breaking the Shield record of keeping. And as someone who has watched a lot of Shield cricket, Alex Carey's keeping that year was as good as good as there's been in Shield cricket. Uh, he was incredible. Oh yeah. So yeah, he was he was amazing. Yeah, he was a great year for him. He sort of put him on the map, really. About yeah. like um, I know everyone thought he was talented with the bat, but you know his glove work. Um, Australians have always been very um, very big on having very good glovemen. So. Um, we were, I think that was probably the thing holding him back. But then at the same time, once he had that year, sort of courtesy of Chad Sayers getting all the edges, he sort of yeah. you know, mopped up the work and did a really good job and was really clean. So I think, yeah, credit to him. It was such a good year for him, but he hasn't looked back since. So it's been great for him. Did you score a few runs in that Matador Cup? Yeah, I did score a few runs. Yeah, I was happy with that year. Um, yeah, I was, I was happy with the. I actually really enjoyed those Matador Cups. It sort of gave a bit of rhythm to your, to your game as well. You could go and play. You play consistent one-day cricket, uh, where at the moment you sort of just you play a one-day game, you don't have played for three weeks, play a shield game, and then you rock up and got to play another one. It's sort of just a bit disjointed. So yeah. um, it always find it hard to sort of get rhythm. And, you know, the, the game is moving so dramatically and towards being quite aggressive. So, you know, and the scores are going up and up. So the... The tempo you need to bat with is just—it's just altering, altering quicker and quicker every game. So, um, yeah, it's, it's just—it's just creating. Um, it's made it harder, but definitely a good challenge. Of course, since we're interviewing you and you—you you are in WA, and we greatly appreciate you taking a call over in WA with us. But it uh, should be a sh- one Shield game, which brings back fantastic memories. Uh, uh, let's uh, go through that where you dominated a Shield game in WA, mate, in seventeen eighteen. Yeah, that was a that was a good game. To be fair, it was one of those ones where I was probably a bit short on runs as well. I hadn't batted it that well leading up to that game, um, and I was sort of in a bit of I I just watched Cameron Bearcroft um, sort of uh, pile on the hurt, make two hundred, and then yeah, I just sort of it was one of those ones where I just walked out there and said, "Well, bugger, it, I'm just going to go out and so I tee off a little bit here, um, so I put myself in a good position to score and." 
thankfully it all worked out after that. Um, yeah, it's just one of those games where you just see it like beach balls, and the WAC is such a great place to play, so I was very lucky. Yeah, he scored 152 of 160 balls in the first dig, and then 143 to get us home in the in the second dig. Uh, Weathers. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it was one of those very rare times in your career where you feel good both innings. Uh, I've never played in a game ever ever since then. I've you talk to so many cricketers around the around the world or and domestically about batting, and they're just like, you know what? There's just never a time in your life where you feel like you're in twice in a row. Where so. Um, I was just lucky that that day happened, and against a good attack, I was very, very proud moment. I guess. Now, Jake, we will go to a serious question. Like, I reckon people yep. would watch you and think, "Oh, he's a sort of happy-go-lucky bloke and all that." And I think yep. probably like all of us, we're probably guilty of hiding what we really are a bit. And I think yeah, yeah. That you probably need to know Jake Weatherall to realise, no, he's pretty intense and pretty, pretty sweet, you know about making it and so you've gone through yep. some mental health challenges and been really honest about it Jake and we we are getting better as blokes but we've still got a long way yeah, to yeah. go just cover that go wherever direction you want to uh, there there Jake yeah um yeah it's one of those things that I've you know it's obviously one of those I mean it's quite public because you play in a sport that's so revered in Australia um it's such a but also you you try to be respectful of the fact that you don't want to um value you know the sport you're in as well by making decisions to step away so but I was always big on the fact that like if I wanted to be a great partner and a great person that um, I needed to step away from cricket in order to do that I probably felt as though that cricket became um, I was not the greatest person in terms of what I felt as though was a like a genuinely I cared about myself but also cared about the people around me I thought it became quite um, um, segregated from what I really could be as a person so um, I sort of thought, as I, if I take breaks off cricket eh, periodically, um, I could have a good opportunity to, um, you know, come back in a, in a mind frame that was healthy for myself, but also better for my partner and better for my family and better for my friends. Um, but also, you know, make sure that when I am playing cricket, I'm doing the best I can. I'm not just, um, you know, sort of not doing the right team thing as well. So I think mental health is one of those a spectrum of things. But yeah, we are getting a lot better understanding that like injuries or anything else, you know, periods of time off. It doesn't mean it's the end of their career or anything. It's just times that you get um, where people aren't their best. And if, if they're safe enough to go off and have a bit of time off, which Saka have been really good with me with that. And so is Cricket Tasmania. They've been really good at understanding the fact that I do, you know, I, I do have like anxiety and OCD and stuff like that, and things that I take medication and stuff for. So um, I've sort of got to, you know, they've got to realise that if I want to be at the best position as a player, I've got to be able to, also be right mentally and you're not always going to be right mentally but you know there's a good opportunity to if you can be consistent in what you're doing day to day it's hard sometimes when you're playing cricket um all the time and on the road and in front of people's eyes you sort of sometimes you lose the, the who you are as a person which is um makes it quite difficult sometimes and we've just been talking with uh, Jake Weatherald and uh, he was kind enough to give us his time uh, last week we did pre-record this interview and he was in Perth uh, not actually playing but training yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? So he's moved to Tasmania. <laughs> yep. He's going to be playing the big batch for the Strikers. Is it a shill game in Perth training? So, yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> it's the, uh, like we've talked about uh, just previously, that the modern cricket player is travelling around everywhere, not only internationally but nationally, and 
no, we thank uh, Jake for his time and, uh, you know, just sort of going through how, uh, you know, came from Northern Territory down to South Australia and really f- for opportunity gets another another go in uh, Tasmania and um, we wish him the best for the remainder of the season. Yeah, oh, look, the, the, the my understanding is that Adelaide uh, didn't – he he left of his own, but he would have been offered a contract still with yep. the Redbacks. But like you um, said, he needed a little bit of a change. Yeah, maybe. It's funny with, at the moment, their whole batting isn't clicking and it's interesting where the mix is all wrong. Like, like there was – so you had Hunt and Cardner. At one stage, Cardner had one off 34 balls and I think Hunt was five off the other thirty. Yes. So after 10 overs, we were none for six or so. Like, where they're all batting at that stage, we're 30 or 40. Yep. So I think they've they've missed him. Supply and demand a little bit. Yeah, and I just don't think their mix their mix is right. Let's take a very, very quick break. When we come back, happy days. Liking this podcast? Please like, rate, and subscribe. Happy days. All right, kicking off happy days today. Happy birthday to Tim Cale, Australian soccer forward, 108 caps, 50 goals for Everton, born in Sydney, New South Wales, an attacking midfielder, but also played as a striker on many occasions. Box-to-box midfielder, Cale became the recogni- became recognised for his aggressive and powerful approach and his ability to head the header the ball into in the yeah, penalty area. As good a header as there's been in the sport. Um, I think at the moment he's our... Craig Johnson's obviously up there as well, but for impact on the and his impact for Australia, mm-hmm. I think he's our our number one. So yeah, well, we talk about uh, a little bit about yeah. the Mount Rushmore yeah. of three or four. I think you can't go wrong, and you know certainly his commentary at the moment uh, in the EPL, you know, giving some insight as well. Very very good. I mean, Australia's starting to get recognised on the world stage. I know he did, uh, yeah. you know, move at quite a young age, but. Uh, you know, he still has Australia, Australia's uh, roots at heart and certainly one of the all-time greats, as you yep. said. Kale scored 50 goals in 108 caps in 2004 and, and 2018 is regarded as one of Australian great players, as you said. Which is huge for soccer uh, in terms of a demand, one out of two, you know, nearly two, a goal every two games is a very high strike rate. Absolutely. And we did talk about last week with the uh, Vardy record that goals in soccer are very, very hard to come by. All right, we move on to cricket, 1987. One of my favourite cricketers, David Boone's fifth test century, 143 against New Zealand at Brisbane. Yeah, and probably probably start off the ground as well, just as much as on the ground, Booney, and he probably related to the Australian as much as anyone. Mm-hmm. You know, him and Doug Walters in that way are probably the Merv two. Hughes a little bit? Yeah, and Merv, just as the happy. Happy-go-lucky, yep. And the Australian loved the beer and probably that really fits into the Australian culture and mm-hmm. develops a love there and, you know, the legendary story of you know, Bernie, the 50, 52 cans, whatever it was. <laughs> Going over to England, England, yep. Yeah. Uh, absolute legend of a player and uh, one that gets a little bit forgotten, a little bit on the basis that, you know, the wars and borders and um, what, McDermott, um, you know, were around during that era, but uh, Booney was absolutely classic and, like you said, uh, feeds into the Australian psyche beautifully. All right, we move on. Tennis in 1988. Boris Becker defeat, 
beats defending champion Ivan Lendl 5-7-7-6-3-6-6-2-7-6 in a classic final to win his first of three ATP Masters tennis titles at Madison Square Gardens in New York City. That is a... Ivan Lendl was the machine uh, when it came to uh, outlasting a lot of players and Boris Becker gets him on this occasion. Yeah, they probably weren't the, as charismatic, certainly... Certainly, uh, Becker was probably a little bit more in that way, but mm-hmm. where he he was more just uh, Ivan was more just get the ball back, yes, and that probably a little bit like Leighton in that way, but Very because much. Leighton was the Australian, we probably warned to him more and and that, although some didn't obviously with Leighton, but mm-hmm. Boris probably a little bit more in the serve than Ivan, but. Ivan Lendl was, you know, let's be honest, he's probably a bee's tick away from being regarded as one of the all-time greats. If just the odd point here and there goes yes. his way. Fine line between pleasure and pain, Jay Griffin. Absolutely, and uh, we've seen that through a lot of players' careers, that they're in the wrong era and just getting yeah. pipped at the post by an absolute star of the game, and uh, Boris Becker is one of those. All right, we move on to the Olympics, 2017, Russia is banned from the next Winter Olympics in South Korea over state-sponsored doping. Yes, yet again. Um, yeah, pretty sad and just frustrating, but yet again. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have thought that the lesson would have been yeah, learned that's over, exactly over, what I was thinking. And over just, the period or over the journey? Yeah, it's just not good enough. Yeah, Absolutely. And to finish us off today, mate, 1987 basketball, an absolute legend here. Larry Bird ends his streak of 59 consecutive three three throws. Pretty disappointing by Larry, not to get to 60. 60. Yeah, come on, lift your game, son. (laughs) An absolute legend of the game there. And, uh, you know, again, we talk about that Mount Rushmore. Yeah, he certainly won that. He's He's up there as well, but... Doesn't get regarded as much because he's probably a point or two on this occasion, like we said, could have got to 60 and become an all-time, yeah. all-time legend. So, no, nah, we'll move on. Let's uh, scoot into the extra time. Big finish. Bit disappointing, Larry. Come on. <laughs> extra time. Big finish. All right, kick us off for the Adelaide Giants playing the uh, Sydney Blue Sox here. We tied the series 2 all. Yeah, after winning the first two, it was a little bit disappointing there. Um, but obviously still on top. Big series against Melbourne Aces this weekend. Absolutely. At, at West Beach. At West Beach, that's right. Don't know, I wish it was at the parade. <laughs> Giants still sitting top of the ABL with two, 12, played 12, won nine, yeah. lost three. So they're in pretty good yeah, uh, shape. Good uh, wouldn't want to drop too many more, no. but just sort of finding their feet very, yeah. very nicely. All right, we yeah. move on to the NBA first, and then we'll move on to the NBL. The NBA, the Boston Celtics and the Orlando Magic sitting top of the Eastern Conference, and the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Denver Nuggets sitting top of the Western Conference. No real surprises there at the moment, but again, we are fairly early into the season, so we'll see how that one plays out over the next couple of uh, months. We want to talk about the 36ers, unfortunately, going down in both their games to New Zealand and Tasmania. Two massive losses, but sort of complaining a little bit about the schedule, which I'm not... 100% 100% sure about. I don't think it helped them that it enabled, it was an out clause for the players beforehand. Yeah. Um, and that's probably where it sits, not quite sits well with me, is that it was... It's more a thing which should have been kept internal yep. in terms of internal management yep. to keep 
kick up a stink about it, but not give that to the players. You know, sitting ninth at the moment and, and really almost and, season's over. And the sacking of the coach, CJ Bruton, gone today. Yep. So, you know, you wonder out of that. I just, yeah, look, do you want to be at an airport at 4.30 or so in the morning? No. no. But don't make it public and so everyone's whinging. Mm-hmm. You know, jump aboard. Hey, this is a challenge, guys. Absolutely. Well, Who's up for coffees? Rah, 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 you know, make something of it. 12 months ago, they were in the US and knocking off an NBA team. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. challenge was set then. Yeah. Um, no excuses. You're right. All right, we'll uh, we'll circle back to that one. I'm sure at some stage, obviously, with new coach um, being appointed or an interim coach being appointed, uh, the WNBL, the Adelaide Lightning, six two wins, four losses, yeah. um, one or two wins outside the top four at the moment. It is early days. Early days. Yeah. Let's wait and see. We'll see how we go on yeah. that one. And we did talk about Monique Conti. Uh, you know, basically code hopping. Yeah. Um, back on the court. As if nothing's changed. You sort of go down if he plays against her in a handball, handball or footy to it. You know, test her <laughs> reflexes on the court as well. Absolutely. You know? so, yeah. Uh, yeah. Unbelievable anyway. All right, we yeah. move on to tennis. Alicia Mollick didn't take long to find her feet after finishing up as yeah. the uh, Fed Cup or Billie Jean Cup coach. Uh, ends up being the tournament director at Memorial Drive and there was a little bit of drama attached to that. Yeah. Um, young ball kid or a young player in the player, background. Yeah. Uh, passing out. So made her keep straight away. <laughs> straight off the bat. Let's test out her ability she straight She turned, turned around and... The bank's yeah, yeah, didn't know what was going on and then yeah. uh, attended to the young lady and yeah. we have found out, obviously, subsequently that uh, she is okay yeah. and everything's all okay. But, wow, um, appointed to a new role, yeah. basically have to jump on the court pretty much all straight away. And uh, Alicia, obviously, being from South Australia... Uh, yeah, more no, than happy to, yeah. to be back in and trying to achieve, uh, you know, some some goals as far as getting some of these great players here. Yeah. All right, we move on to the SNFL. Uh, the AFL considering a state of origin game during the gather round for this season yeah. coming. Yeah, no. That, some rumours being mooted. Yeah, no, that's been around. We hasn't been anything said of whether it will be at Nord or Mount Barker or uh, Adelaide Oval. Mm-hmm. Obviously, hoping that it's at Nord. Yep. Um, but yeah, just wait and see. But yeah, no, I think it is going to happen. Okay. So the rumours yeah. are yeah, rumors gaining are, momentum. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Interesting. We'll keep a bit of an eye on that one. The SNFLW to introduce a salary cap for the upcoming season of 30000 and then increasing it to thirty two over the 25 and 26 seasons. Yeah, and there's also plans for that to become more and more games and... Yeah, looking to go from 12 to 14 and games. And eventually 18. 18, So, yep. yeah. Um, it's, you know, development. And to also remembering that they introduced a reserve, they called it Development League. Yep. And that, and not sure why that was the Development League set of reserves, but that's fine. Yep. Just a word. But, yeah, so it, it is, again, it's still showing the explosion in numbers in female footy. Like, you know, Paynham's got two, and I think they're... Cons- I'm not sure whether there may even be three. Mm-hmm. You know, uni's a couple. I think Broadies are at least two, and they'll uh, and that. So, you know, so there's huge numbers well, playing I, footy. I got a uh, 
Christmas card in the uh, mail the other day from the local MP. Yes. Uh, generally, you don't take too much notice of it, but it was uh, a little bit of a booklet on, yeah. you know, what they've been doing in the area. And the one thing that sort of piqued my interest in just flipping through it very, very quickly was the amount of infrastructure that the governments, not only federally and state, are actually putting into local sporting clubs. Yeah. But mainly because of the female participation oh, exactly. rate. And if you think about it, and I thought, and I actually stopped and thought about it for a second, going, well, if these clubs didn't have this investment being made in in them because of the female development side of things. Where would some of these clubs actually be? Oh, there's no doubt that female involvement is saving community clubs. It's also, you know, I, I do know in terms of one club where if the if there was a female game on, I think the Amateur League should go back to this. Yes, the female it happened still it still happened a bit. I'd like to see it more. So I'm not really having it still happened. Mm-hmm. It probably can be a, refined a little bit more. Was the female game starting at about five thirty, quarter to six, whatever on the Saturday yes. night, and it keeps people around. Yep, which keeps the bar trade up. So yep. you know, I do think working together. Well, I know in some that way is the way to go. Some SNFL clubs actually had the the, the triple yeah. headers. Sometimes they yeah. were at the earlier part of the yeah. day, and sometimes at the end of the day. Yeah, I think all of those things are very very important, not only at a local level, but you know, at a national, uh, sorry, I, at a state level as I well. I just think at community level that it's a real, really important to have the, those cl- clubs being involved together. Yes, a bit. You know. Well, you think about it. Your resources are already open. Yeah. You, 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 you. You're less trainers, yes. less, less, you know, medical staff. Yep. People are there. Canteen person yep. is there. Well, okay, you might pay it more to be open more and longer. Players but, who but there's have, things you can work around it. And players more. who have just finished can yeah. also help out okay. as well exactly. if absolutely needed, yeah. which yep. you know really fosters that club environment. Yep. So we'll keep a bit of an eye on that one, and really looking forward to uh, hopefully uh, some more female participation yep. there at local club Definitely. level. All right, mate. The good, the bad, the ugly. What was your good for the week? Good was the. Let's go with the. The strikers. Yeah, he stole I, I my think thunder. We have to on that yes. one. Was was the good, um, bad Redbacks. Yep. Yeah, you know I'm a fanatic on the on the Redbacks. Yes. Disappointing again. Uh, Emma, Emma's going. Why do you get upset about them? <laughs> sort of thing. Uh, yet again. Yeah, passionate Used sports. Used to thirty something years now. Yep. Um, yeah, it's like push the cheese. It just happens every year. It's the holy grail. Yeah, push the button, repeat. You you still get your hopes up. You won't know what to yeah. do with yourself if they actually do pull off something oh. pretty incredible. But you know, you're ugly for the week. No, nothing really strikes me on exactly. that way. Maybe maybe we'll take yeah. the ugly out of it and just keep the good and the bad. But yeah, and then keep it in terms of when there's real impact. On something shocking that week. I think might be the way cool. to go. Um, my. Good for the week would have to probably be that Zach Butters has signed on at Port Adelaide. I think he's an absolute gun. He's a gun. And the WBBL back-to-back champions obviously has to be there, but uh, you know Brisbane also taking out the flag. Yeah. My my yep. bad a little bit is probably with the AFLW. I I think they probably could have got at least thirty thousand to Marvel if they had moved it in time. But you know it is what it is. But yeah, my ugly at the moment is probably the 36ers. Yes. Yep. I think you've well played on that. I think that's the, a great call. The 36ers have been really disappointing overall now for a fair while. Yeah. I, it'd be interesting to know if. No. So the game went on sale for the tickets when it sold it and how much time they would have then had to do things. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's. 
It's an probably not one. a bad one for me. It's probably more of a disappointing one. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, you know, Icon Park being chock a block full was a great, great, uh, yeah. great atmosphere, and it would have been exactly like Nord Oval as well. But yeah. you go back a few years to Adelaide Oval, and you know, it's absolutely know. chockers. So I know we can't compare, but uh, you know, it's certainly something yeah. that, that could have been thought through a little bit more. Yeah. All right, mate. We'll leave it there. What a fantastic episode we've had. We. Thank Craig Martin for his time, and we yes. also thank Jake Weatherald for his time. And uh, as per usual, mate, we promise to do better. I'll turn the phone off next time. <laughs> in this crazy world we live in, we all need the distraction. Enjoying the show? Like, rate, and subscribe. Hook up and connect with us on social media at Sportscast SA. We'll see you next time on Game On. <laughs>